You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Welcome to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by Legal Fuel, the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm a Senior Practice Management Advisor at the Bar and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our home offices in Tallahassee, Florida. And I'm Carla Eckhart. I'm a Practice Management Advisor at the Florida Bar and a co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. So just about a year ago, many of us started navigating how to successfully work from home. And of course, that included hours of virtual meetings on Zoom and Microsoft Teams. So as we're moving forward and contemplating what the new normal will be, some firms are permanently integrating the changes that worked well for them during this time. And there are real cost savings for firms Uh, reduced overhead by giving up expensive office space and allowing staff to be virtual or hybrid employees by scheduling less travel and meeting by video conference and even by improving case efficiency through the use of technology that became necessary to implement during the pandemic. We also know that some firms instituted hiring freezes over the past year, whether because it wasn't a good you know, a good time to expand or because they thought this was one process that couldn't be accomplished without the traditional in-person methods used to recruit, hire, and onboard their new employees. So to offer our members some insight, we've brought in an expert and joining us today to discuss how to successfully hire and onboard employees virtually is Rochelle Birnbaum Chioka. Rochelle is a partner in the West Palm Beach office of Cole, Scott, and Kassane. For the past 20 years, her practice has focused on construction defect litigation, premises liability matters, and insurance coverage disputes. Rochelle became Cole, Scott, and Kassane's Director of Recruiting in February 2020. She is responsible for the hiring of law clerks and attorneys at all 14 of their offices in Florida's largest law firm. Rochelle is a proud Trimple Seminole. She received her bachelor's degree with a double major in political science and history, her master's degree in international affairs, and her law degree, all from Florida State University. She is the past president of the FSU College of Law Alumni Board of Directors and a founder of the Palm Beach FSU Law Alumni Chapter. Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me. So Rochelle, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role as the director of recruiting at your firm? Sure. Well, as you already mentioned, I've been practicing law for over 20 years uh, in West Palm Beach. And uh, about a year ago, the firm offered me the opportunity to become the director of recruiting. Um, as, as you already mentioned as well, I'm active with my alma mater, FSU. So whenever my practice group needed a new associate, I would reach out to the FSU Law Career and Professional Development Office. They have an incredible team who've become my friends, and FSU has helped CSK recruit top talent from among their student body. The firm recognized my interest in mentoring students and in being involved in the recruiting process for my construction practice group, and so I was offered the opportunity to lead our firm's recruiting efforts statewide. Um, I've been in the position for just over a year, and I'm really enjoying it. 
I've been developing relationships with members of the career and professional development offices at most of the state's law schools. Uh, just yesterday, I had the pleasure of working with UF's Assistant Dean of Career and Professional Development. Um, in this role, I've participated in job fairs, on-campus interviews, seminars, and other events. Um, although, obviously, for you know, since uh, about April, it's been online completely. Um, but this has become a new phase in my professional life. My, my kids call this my side gig. <laughs> <laughs> but after, after two decades of litigation, uh, it's refreshing to add something new to the mix. Um, students are certainly more charming than most of my opposing counsel in my, my litigation practice. <laughs> so it, it seems like you officially took over recruiting for your firm right before everyone knew we were about to go into a pandemic. Uh, did everything suddenly change in, in how you operated or were you already using some virtual technology in your hiring process, which allowed you to perhaps shift how you were recruiting, hiring, and onboarding? I started in this position in February. So it was really right before the, the world shut down. So in that short time period where we were still going in person, I went up to Gainesville uh, to meet with UF students. I went to FAMU Law in Orlando. I went down to UM um, in Miami. Um, so I did have some hands-on opportunities prior to COVID. By the time I visited UM, we were already not shaking hands, but we were still meeting in person. We were just kind of mm -hmm. saluting and we had Purell out everywhere. But uh, as, as you know, come mid-March, that, that all ended. At CSK, we've always invested in technology. Even before COVID, we were highly equipped with the best law firms can obtain. But while we already had the technology available to us, um, most of us, my, myself included, weren't utilizing it. The pandemic forced law firms and law schools to modernize. As I mentioned prior to COVID, if I wanted to meet law students and attract top talent from law schools, I had to hit the road. In visiting law schools, I would be limited to however many students I could interview over the course of a business day. And if I wanted to present a seminar to students, that would require another trip across the state to do so. It was the expectation of students and the law school administration that I come in person. Appearing online wasn't at all the norm. And as mm -hmm. we know, that's totally changed. Uh, with the introduction of Zoom into CSK's hiring practices, I've been able to speak with a lot more students than I would have been able to um, had I spent a day traveling. I have access to more students at more schools, and I don't have to take time away from my legal work or my recruiting work to travel. A few weeks ago, I put on a seminar at FSU Law on a Monday, and then I turned around and presented the same seminar at UF Law on Tuesday. Uh, the time wow. I saved by not having to travel to both universities is nearly the equivalent of two business days in travel time. Um, Zoo, as I said, frees up my time for uh, both sides of my that's excellent. So you so you are saving a lot of time because you've cut out the travel. But when it first happened, did you did it change the pace that you were in hiring? Did you pause to like regroup or and so what what is the hiring um, like quantity been since you've been doing it this way? We paused for about two weeks to figure out how exactly this was going to work. When we first started, I mean, I'll be the first to admit I am <laughs> I am not that adept at, at using new technology, which is probably why I wasn't familiar with Zoom until the pandemic, even though we had access to it. Um, so the first few interviews that I conducted were actually over FaceTime. <laughs> uh, a lot of people have iPhones. On your phone. Mm -hmm, myself included. And so I was conducting interviews on FaceTime until I decided, okay, I just I really need to learn how to use Zoom. 
So by mid-April, we were using Zoom almost exclusively for, for interviewing. Some of the law schools also use a program called Flow Recruit, and I've used that as well. Um, I prefer Zoom, but you know both work, certainly. And uh, it really didn't slow down our hiring. We had that, as I said, two-week hiatus where we're kind of trying to figure out what to do. But mm-hmm. I'm very proud that as a firm, CSK was able to, unlike many firms, we honored every commitment we made to law students who we told were coming on board as summer law clerks. Um, it's traditional for uh, first and second year students to clerk at a law firm during the right. summer before going on to their next year of law school. And while a lot of firms had to withdraw their their offers to students, CSK honored every commitment. The time that we, you know, the, the time that the students spent with the firm was modified slightly because we were trying to figure out how to make it safe for them to come to work. And uh, in most cases, everybody worked from home, but we were able to accommodate everybody and allow those students to still have the clerking opportunity that they need for their professional development. That's impressive. And and congratulations, because again, like you mentioned, a lot of firms didn't have that opportunity. So it's wonderful to hear that you were able to quickly, I mean, two weeks, two weeks to pause. That's that's fantastic. Talking about the interviews now, since we've gotten into Zoom and and how that's started, uh, do you do any pre-screening or do you think pre-screening before a first interview is helpful? So like, what about things like writing samples or maybe pre-employment assessments? And and how is that handled over Zoom? When I receive a resume, I often call the candidate to vet them, I guess, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word, uh, to make sure that their qualifications are what we're looking for and the practice areas that we're hiring for are of interest to the candidate. It, I don't need to waste my time, their time, any of my partner's time, you know, if it's not going to be a good match just from the start. I always ask for a writing sample. Um, sometimes there's email correspondence back and forth as we discuss what kind of sample we're looking for. But lately we've, we've, had our initial interviews on Zoom because of the pandemic. Um, if we like someone and it's appropriate, depending on which of our offices and what the health situation is, we may invite someone in for a second interview in person. Of course, we are socially distanced. We wear masks, we Purell, we take temperature. We make it as safe and comfortable for everyone as possible. But sometimes we like to meet the candidates in person because we want to get a sense of who they are. But Mm -hmm. it's also a good opportunity for them to come and meet our attorneys and see where they would be working. When they meet with more than one person, they get a different perspective. They get to hear about everybody's different experience at the firm. And I think that's beneficial for them as well. And you're you're hiring for 14 different offices. So I was, I didn't, I'd heard of CSK, but I didn't realize I'm from Pensacola. So when I realized you even had an office there all the way to Miami, I was like, that is some impressive coverage. So are you, because you're hiring now for every office, are you doing more virtual than you did before? Because I mean, if if you're hiring for the Pensacola office and somebody's like, yeah, I want to go there, but you know, they're hours away. What, how are you handling that? I, I am doing more virtual than before, but I mean, for me, before was only really a month. So right. uh, <laughs> I haven't really had any any significant period of time in a non-virtual world. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I, I get on the phone with, with people. And again, if, if it seems like a 
there will be a good match there, then I will have a Zoom interview for them or I will pass them along to whichever my partners I know is looking for someone in that particular geographic area. And they will have an interview again, probably on Zoom. And we kind of go from there. So many of these applicants may be new to the virtual hiring process, as are you, as are all of us. We're, we're all new to the virtual process. But what can a hiring manager uh, or someone in a recruitment position like yourself do to help prepare these applicants for the interview? Do you set expectations, timelines? Uh, do you give them names of interviewers ahead of time so they're sort of prepared to meet, you know, a, a big name partner? You know, how do you prepare them? Absolutely. I definitely let them know who they will be speaking with. If an additional partner or two decide to drop in, you know, I, I don't always know that in advance, but uh, they definitely always know the main partner that they'll be speaking with. Um, I tell them the practice group that we are hiring for. It's, as I said, it's a waste of time to bring someone in for some unknown position. Uh, we're Florida's largest law firm. We have a multitude of practice areas, and it's really unfair to a candidate to say, come interview with CSK and have them walk in blindly. I, not knowing if they're interviewing for a job in our employment practice group, in our construction group, in our first party property group. I mean, there's such a wide range of practice areas within the firm that it's it's helpful to them to know in advance what we're hiring for um, so they can educate themselves and look up our partners online and, and see what their practice areas are. But also, it's a waste of everybody's time if it's a practice area that they have no interest in. They don't need to come in, you know, interview for a spot in our construction group if they really want to do employment law. And some of the, the the old way of doing things, like maybe you would do the interview or there'd be a panel interview. Um, and then, you know, they'd kind of like meet a few of their potential coworkers. You'd walk them through. Are you doing any like get to know you panels or, you know, a socials. group Zoom. Well, not even the socials yet, because we're still talking about hiring. So we want to talk about that in a minute. But you know what I mean? Like, can you bring in because of the scheduling and no travel, it's way easier, I would think, to say, hey, whole practice group, if you're available, jump on this call at this time if you want to, you know, see this person that I think is going to be good. Have you had that? Depending on the position and the practice area, um, it's not uncommon at all for us to have several partners participate in a Zoom interview, anywhere from two to five. We, we don't want to overwhelm someone. And well, true, you know, like I just remember, <laughs> you know, a hundred years ago when I was an associate, uh, it, it is a little overwhelming to have too many people, you know, all, all basically up against you asking you questions. And it's not mm -hmm. meant to be an interrogation and to make somebody feel overwhelmed. So we definitely will have a couple people involved, but by no means the entire practice group, because with a statewide practice, I mean, there are so many people in each practice group. It's just, it would be impossible to include everyone. Everybody would be little tiny <laughs> tab pictures. <laughs> Not, of Hollywood squares. <laughs> Not very productive at that point. Um, so you mentioned that you interview sometimes and then other partners step in to interview. Um, what are some things that you would recommend an interviewer generally keep in mind during a virtual interview? It's very hard for us to make eye contact. Even now, as I'm talking to you on the screen, I know my camera is here, but I'm <laughs> looking at your face, which is a little further down. And so 
you know, we kind of have to ad- adapt and accept that it's not going to be this perfect, you know, face-to-face communication because of things like that. Um, I think that it's going to take some time to even still to, to get used to this format, but I think it's here to stay. Even when we do go back to in-person, I think that especially since we recruit all over the state and sometimes I'm recruiting for position Miami and the candidate is in Tampa, uh, we can't expect them to drive to Miami for a one hour interview, certainly not an initial interview. So I think that we all are going to get better at this um, as time goes by. I noticed that some candidates uh, don't dress appropriately because they're on Zoom. Uh, one of my 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 favorite uh, my favorite outfits that my husband has taken to wearing is the uh, the button down shirt and tie and jacket and then you know jeans or shorts on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's like what, classic. You know, yeah, they used to say what about a mullet? It was uh, was it business up front, business up front and then party, party in, in the back. back. Yeah, so it's, it's business on top and uh, could be casual on the bottom on Zoom. But I've had students interview with me who've been wearing long sleeve t shirts or other things that are not business-like on top. And that's taking the Zoom casualness a little too far. Mm -hmm. I think you've coined a new thing, the Zoom mullet. Okay, so that's good. Um, So Carla touched on this and we've, even at the bar, we've had some, um, not mandatory fun, but if you want to jump in, we've, our executive director does meet and greets if you just want to talk to him and he'll put out a time and you can set it up. Or we've had some um, cocktail hour things where you just, BYOB and join your coworkers, you know, whether it's a holiday or we're having, we've done online games, different things. Carla's involved in um, a little internal thing we have uh, for socialization. Has your firm experimented with that? Well, what I've been doing, uh, well, it's recently started with our 2020 graduates who will be joining the firm, but with our 20 class of 2021 that joined us this past fall, because they were starting work during a pandemic, you know, these, these kids missed out on their graduations. They had the bar exam delayed a couple times. I mean, it's all understandable of why they've missed these important events, but I, I felt really bad for them. And so in kind of brainstorming with everybody, I decided we were going to start having meet and greets for the class of 2020. So I invited from all of our offices, all of the incoming 2020 grads uh, to participate in Zooms and to get to know each other, because even if they're not going to be in the same office or the same practice group, they're all going through this in the same life experience. They are graduating during a pandemic, no graduation. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the bar exam stress and, you know, the, the life experience of not being a full-time student anymore, having to wake up at a reasonable hour and get dressed and go to work. Uh, you know, the student life is, is quite different. You don't get to go home for a two hour lunch with your dog when you're an associate, (laughs) unlike law school life. So because they have so much to bond over, uh, I hosted these Zooms for the class of 2020 and they, they seem to really make everybody seem, feel more comfortable about joining the firm, despite not having the typical happy hour, go to lunch with the boss, go to, Mm -hmm. you know, football games together. You know, the, the normal bonding experiences are, are not possible right now. So and I love that because they have a lot in common, but if they were in the Pensacola office and the Miami office, they would have never met each other. Never. They wouldn't They wouldn't know each other's names. And we've started that with our incoming 2021 grads. And while, you know, there's only, I don't know, maybe 15, they're at least getting to know each other. And once they connect on Zoom through one of these, 
maybe they connect on social media or outside of work. And it's nice for them to have that new friendship when they're starting work. And even a support network. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying. So we, I guess socials are are part of the company culture or the firm culture. Um, But one of the biggest objections we've heard about virtual onboarding is that you can't effectively communicate firm culture. Uh, Do you think this is the case? And how can a firm's onboarding process overcome this obstacle? In your case, you've mentioned you've linked them all together and sort of had them bond. Um, But as far as formal onboarding, how does that happen? Well, with respect to firm culture, CSK has a very strong commitment to a diverse and inclusive work environment. Um, About 46% of our attorneys are women. Uh, 45% of our partners are members of racial, ethnic, or other ABA classified minority groups. And we recognize that our attorneys' backgrounds and unique and diverse insights and abilities are what make us successful. So while the pandemic has prevented us from socializing much outside of the office, we're able to share those core values with our new employees by communicating frequently, sometimes in person, sometimes on Zoom. Uh, We do what we can to form new friendships and to mentor new hires. Um, Once we're all vaccinated and it's safe to gather in large groups, we'll again be able to go to lunch or hang out after work or on weekend as friends. We're not only interested in our associates' professional development, but we consider ourselves a CSK family. That's an integral part of our firm culture. Um, with respect to how we are onboarding them and making sure that they get what they need, um, our associates are among the best trained in the state. We give them hands-on opportunities very, very early on in their careers to take depositions or attend hearings or participate in mediations. And although now it's all over Zoom, we are still encouraging that and introducing them to these um, But when an attorney starts at our firm, they have several days of training before they truly begin working. This was even before the pandemic. Um, The firm has mentorship programs, in-house seminars, and other ways of developing newer attorneys. Um, And due to COVID, sometimes things are done over the phone or on Zoom, but we are definitely still very hands-on. I love that you have that formal um, setup because I think tiny firms they probably think, ah, they're just going to, you know, you'll learn it on the fly. But really, um, I think being very mindful about this person, law school teaches you a lot, but practicing the actual practice of law is a very different thing. So I like that. But if, so when you have a new hire and they're attached to a particular work group, do they also get assigned to kind of a mentor? Is there a pairing? Yes. Yes. 100%. We think that's very important. It's not only crucial that they learn from the partner who's hired them and is supervising them, but they need to have access to senior associates from other practice groups so that they can bounce ideas off somebody and have somebody who's not their immediate supervisor that they can talk Mm -hmm. to more as a friend. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. And do you find for like the, again, the, the formal onboarding process, so the boring parts of reading policies and signing paperwork, has that changed uh, now that it's virtual? No, we email them to candidates uh, after they've accepted a position and they get their paperwork done before they come in. So we don't really have too much of that. I, I just, for for our listeners, again, 
it's it's always an option, of course, to email, but also to maybe go over uh, the policies uh, with your new hires over Zoom if they have any questions. Like, make yourself available because if they were in the office reading these policies, they'd be able to pop into someone's office and ask a question. Whereas when they get emailed these, um, they may not be as ready or as as willing to maybe ask you know questions. They may think, oh, it's silly. I'm just going to read it and be done with it. Um, so it's I, I feel like it's important also to make sure that you go over these policies and also make it easy for them. Let them e-sign things. Don't don't make them have to scan mm-hmm. or you know take wonky pictures of their signature or something like that, or mail it back to you with an ink signature. So there are little things you can tweak throughout the process to just make it simpler. In the thirteen months I've been in this role, we haven't made anybody sign and scan. We've we've always accept everything electronically. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah, the DocuSign. We had rule changes, so that is very common now. So people should get on got on the boat and uh, start doing the virtual signatures. We want to know the details, though. So you're doing this a lot. Can you tell us about your office desk setup during an interview? Do you have any tips to ensure that the interview is um, the interviewer is setting the right ambiance? Do you use a ring light? Do you elevate your camera? Are you using headphones? Do you turn on a virtual background? What kind of things are you doing? Uh, me personally, I elevate my my laptop so I can take notes on paper. I'm old school. <laughs> so I'm not typing up notes while I'm talking to somebody. But um, I don't have a special light. I don't have special headphones. I I mean, you're looking at me and talking to me right now. <laughs> what you see is what you get. Um, I don't think that you need anything special, um, but, but I do advise people to practice in advance. I, you can start your own Zoom meeting and you don't have to invite anybody to it. It can just be you. And you can see what you look like on camera before an interview. Um, you don't need the special light, but you do need to test out where you're where you intend to sit during your interview. So you know beforehand how you'll appear. Um, my partner, Dan Maher, and I conducted an interview a while back with someone who was sitting in a pretty dark room and the candidate wasn't sitting close enough to his computer and he was all shadowy and his voice was kind of <laughs> muffled. And Dan and I still laugh about it because it was kind of spooky. <laughs> it was like some kind of vampire lair. <laughs> I expected Vincent Price to start narrating at any time. Not the best first impression. <laughs> no, either. no. And I've also seen the, the opposite where someone has sat directly in front of a window with the blinds completely open and it was so bright. I could only see the outline of the person um, because she was glowing in sunlight. So she appeared, An angel appeared. supernatural. Um, so you don't, you don't need to have anything special. You just need to test out what you look like on camera. Um, if you use one of those virtual backgrounds, you should probably try that in advance too. They've gotten better. Um, but I'm sure you remember early on during the pandemic, uh, people were using them and they'd move and half of their bodies would disappear. Uh, it was like a magic trick. Um, sometimes you saw a bobbing head talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's distracting. It's distracting. So, I mean, that's true for the interviewer and the interviewee, uh, you know, just find a neutral background, perhaps, and shy away from virtual backgrounds. And if you are going to use a virtual background, also tip, know how 
to take them off. Yes. Don't mm-hmm. let yourself get stuck looking like a potato or a cat. Yes. I was say, <laughs> Zoom has certainly, certainly made all of this more entertaining. Um, you never know what may happen. Um, I've never had anyone use a cat filter, as tempting as it might be. <laughs> but I've been on Zoom when someone's toddler walked into the room holding a diaper in his hand. <laughs> and the candidate tried to pretend she didn't notice her naked child wandering around in the background. Um, but I suggested we take a five-minute break well, uh, before we got back to the interview. Uh, somebody needed her attention. So that, that, that kind of leads to another question. Do you find that you are more flexible? And I guess that's a way to sort of put firm culture in practice to sort of show that you are understanding and that distractions happen and that it's okay to take a minute deal with it, and then come back and continue on professionally. Um, Do you find that that's happening or do people get really nervous and apologize excessively? And, you know, how does that go? I've noticed it's students who are the ones who get nervous because this is a first job for them and they, they understand how important it is for them to make a good impression. I haven't really had that with lateral hires. I think once you're a little seasoned, you 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 know how it is. <laughs> well, I I almost think it's like a test. So if something blows up on them, how are they how are they responding to that crisis? Are they good under pressure? So I, I think that. And then additional to that, I the thing that I love about Zoom is we all get to see in each other's houses. We get to meet each other's pets. Like <laughs> all of us in our office, we bring our pets to our meetings. They need to you know greet each other we know what's going on with and i love that because i feel like it's funny to me that when we were in person maybe we didn't know those things about each other so i i love that part of it absolutely i agree yeah it's 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 nice to know when to roll with the punches and this is the perfect situation yeah and and our mediations that we've participated in um depositions. This this goes on all day long with every attorney. Everybody's got something going on or they forget to turn off their microphone when their kid comes in and is talking at them about, you know, whatever school assignment, because most of us have kids going to school down the hall. I right. know I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a 11th and 8th grade going on about 10 feet away from me. You're so the perfect it, person to talk to about this. The important tip is to be prepared for distractions. Yes. And and be prepared to sort of deal with them and and continue on, just carry on as if they didn't happen. It's fine. Oh, and I have an important tip for people that are not familiar with Zoom. Because I initiate so many Zoom meetings and we have the one where a lot of people can join. Um, you know how you can chat and you can send a, me- a message to someone else in it. And so like the speaker's doing something and you're like, oh my gosh, like normally you would be whispering or passing a note. When the meeting concludes... I don't think a lot of people realize that the host gets a transcript of all of the messages. Um, So that is a little startling to people. So if you might want to really keep your comments to yourself. I didn't know that. Or text the person outside of the platform. Keep it out of the platform because (laughs) the host has all kinds of controls that you don't know about. That is good to know. Oh, man. Interesting, interesting. Uh, So a little bit more on... Um, hires and 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 how you had sort of the setup before and after the pandemic. Did you have any virtual employees or flex time employees before? Is that something you might consider now, or is it just temporary for the pandemic and then everyone will be back in the office? We had flex employees. If by flex you mean part time work from home, 
Mm-hmm. We absolutely had that. The firm recognizes talent. And when we have an attorney who wants to go part time due to parenthood or taking care of aging parents or whatever personal reason, maybe they just want to be, you know, quasi semi retired. We definitely are happy to accommodate and work with them on a, on a schedule that will uh, work for their lifestyle. We don't want to lose good people because they want to reduce the number of hours they want to work because of their personal commitments. So absolutely, we had that prior to the pandemic. And we'll continue that after the pandemic. That says a lot about your firm culture, that you see that value in a person. Um, And it's funny because way before the pandemic, we had um, an author on who had written a book about work-life balance and millennials. And I think back that We had no idea what work-life, because he kept saying, what was his, instead of saying work-life balance, he called it... Blend. Work-life blend. And I thought, oh yeah, that's so healthy. I love that because you, you know, you do bring your whole self to work, you know. And so I thought, we none of us knew what we were talking about until every part of our life was really fused together. And so some people hate it. Like I hear about people that say they can't wait to get back. I'm like, I'm bringing my laptop. I'm putting clothes in the dryer. I'm taking a call. I'm helping members during the day. And I love it. Like I can start dinner and I'm still doing my job. Like if if I could do all this from work, I I would, that would be the the ideal thing. Yeah. I'm much more productive and, and to, again, to give employees the opportunity to thrive in that environment um, is special. So it's important for firms and, and solo practitioners that are thinking of bringing on new staff to take that into consideration. You can have a productive employee um, and, and onboard them and bring them on and not necessarily have them in the office full time, at least not for now. They can do your work and start working right now mm-hmm. from home. Right. Absolutely. It's nice to look for the silver lining and something like a pandemic. (laughs) I know for me, I've been incredibly productive despite having to adjust to, you know, life during COVID. Um, The only uh, downside for me, thankfully, has been, uh, you know, as I mentioned, my my teenagers are going to school down the hall and it turns out as bad as I was in honors geometry 30 years ago, I'm still horrendous. (laughs) I feel like you could crowdsource that with your coworkers. Anybody, anybody, are you up on this subject? I need some tutoring. Um, Well, can you give for the other side, because a lot of our listeners are still in law school. We we get fan mail from people that are listening um, and they want tips. So what are the most important things that uh, someone who's going to apply to any firm or your firm, what, sh- what should they be doing in advance and, and getting in their preparation? What are you looking for that they should know about? I don't think that there's much different that I would be looking at, you know, had we not been in this, you know, COVID world. We look for grades, of course, but, you know, you don't have to be in the top of your class to be a good lawyer. You know, they, there used to be the, the, the joke in law school that what do you call the person who graduates last in their class? Well, you still call them a lawyer. So you don't have to be at the top of your class. You don't have to be the editor in chief of the law review. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look for people who show uh, a dedication to something. Um, those who've worked their way through college, those who've, uh, put in time volunteering somewhere, P- people who show that they have a passion and a dedication, a commitment to something beyond themselves always helps. We do look at their writing sample. That's very important. And again, you don't have to be on a journal to be a good writer. 
But when I receive a writing sample where somebody can't conjugate verbs or they spell your Y-O-U-R and it should have an apostrophe R-E, I'm going to flag that and that person's yeah. not going to get a call. So our standards haven't really changed since COVID. But again, I was only on the job about a month or so until we went under lockdown. Right. So COVID is no excuse to drop the ball, I guess, is the moral of the story. You still have to be on your A game. And that doesn't always mean straight A's or, you know, perfect scores on everything. It means being your best self. And COVID is not an excuse to show up to an interview in a T-shirt. No, it's not. Um, You know, if you had a fire the night before and your entire wardrobe burned out, (laughs) that would be a great excuse. Um, I did receive a very touching letter from a student whose mother had passed from COVID. And, um, oh. you know, as a consequence, she, you know, she's been struggling. And I, of course, we are compassionate at CSK. And we, you know, we definitely, uh, our hearts went out to her. I spoke with her. Uh, we interviewed her. I mean, there are exceptions to, to the, you know, to the rule that you just presented about COVID doesn't right. matter. I mean, of course, the you know, if COVID has directly impacted your life in some negative way, right? You know, we we definitely want to, you know, and, and I think that's that. important. That again, through the virtual environment, uh, it you know, with the distractions and being understanding, and of course, making exceptions when COVID directly impacts your life or that, that of loved ones, uh, to be human and to show empathy. It's it's really easy to feel disconnected um, when you're on camera or even on the phone. Um, but to again, to really express that firm culture and and display that level of understanding and empathy is is more important now than ever um, because it, it doesn't always shine through, much like an email. You know, you, you can't always gauge someone's uh, thoughts or, or someone's intentions over email. So it's really important to always remember to be human and then mm-hmm. be understanding. So that that's fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are are aware of that and and working with people in those situations that's that's really inspiring thank you another thing i think about is um this came up recently somebody had we had a meeting and someone had sent out a conference call link and one of my the people that was also um a recipient of that said who is doing conference calls anymore like that does feel it almost feels rude like um and it was weird because we're never going back i mean some people like you won't turn on your camera cuz like i've worked um i wasn't feeling well the other day i looked rough. So I just didn't turn on my camera, but I still came to the meeting. But I don't think people that the, you know, disembodied voice where you're not sure who's speaking, if it's a group conference call, I don't think we're going back. I think that the Zoom um, comfort is here to stay. And I think that's the new thing. But we've also talked about um, now that employees aren't in the office or not as many employees are in the office. Are Have you found, I know that you're uh, recruiting, but I wonder if you have um, you know, you work with HR. Are you are employees claiming fewer sick days because everyone is working from home and not sharing their non-COVID germs in the office either? Do you feel like people are more productive? Um, I really don't know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you personally? Do you feel like you're taking less time off? 
Are you healthier? Um, I definitely am taking less time off because I've missed out on a couple really great vacations. I <laughs> Good point. Um, so, so Greece will wait. <laughs> it's been there a few thousand years. It'll, it'll be there when, when I can travel again. Um, I'm definitely more productive. I used to spend a lot of time, uh, again, traveling to different law schools to, to meet with students. But just in my personal life, um, I have two active teenagers. I was driving to, to, you know, schools and piano lessons and, you know, birthday parties and everywhere you can imagine as, as a working mom, uh, you know, part taxi driver. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and now that I don't have to bring them anywhere, um, I, I'm at my desk all day long. There's no interruptions. Uh. <laughs> so I'm more productive, but the laundry doesn't have to wait for weekends anymore, which is nice. nice. Yes. And you have to remind yourself to take a lunch break, like go ahead and log off. And so yeah. if we're talking about tips for balance, you, you've got to still step away, take a walk around outside. I think oh, we've I talked do that. about that. Definitely. Yeah. And, and something Good. you've touched upon uh, about your recruiting process that I think a lot of solo and small firms can still take away is that all uh, law schools have career centers um, and employers can create an account, doesn't matter how big you are, and, mm-hmm. you know, put up job adverts um, and, and use the law schools as a recruitment tool. Um, so if, if you're not familiar, you've never uh, gotten with the state's law schools or out-of-state law schools, whichever law schools you want to recruit from, make an effort to find out what their career centers offer for employers, um, even if there's a small fee attached to it sometimes. I don't know. There's no uh, fees. There's no fees. There's no fees. And the state law schools are very happy to work with, with firms and to Wonderful. help no firms excuse. attract quality students. Absolutely. So so that's that's something that, again, translates really well from big law to a solo and small firm. You can still Absolutely. recruit recruit quality talent from these law schools um, and and use the law school as a tool. So uh, don't think that, you know, you have no options or that you only big law firms um, can manage to recruit talent uh, during the pandemic. It's, it's certainly a, a tool that's available to everyone. Yes. And the law schools want to help place their students and the people who work in those career and development offices, they're very special people. They are truly dedicated to the students' that they serve and they help them, you know, improve their resumes, their interview skills. They, they want to help the students get placed. So they're, they'd be more than happy to take a phone call from any law firm. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll link to uh, the career centers for the various law schools throughout the state uh, in this episode. So if you're interested, just scroll down and, and you'll see a couple of links there. Um, and just again, it's worth taking a look if you've never used it before. Uh, don't don't shy away from that tool. So, Rochelle, do you have any other tips for applicants or interviewers? Because we also have a lot of people that have never, even though they need to hire, they've never interviewed anyone ever, whether it was virtual or in person. Well, I I think if any of the smaller firms haven't used Zoom yet, they probably need to get with the program because, mm-hmm. uh, for better or worse, this is going to be here to stay. I think that. Going forward, we're, we're not going to get away from this. Um, it looks like I've been speaking with the law schools, and it looks like fall on-campus interviewing will again be virtual. Oh wow! So we are anticipating that continuing, you know, into the fall. Perhaps next spring they'll be in person. But I think for most firms, they're planning on participating in the virtual on-campus interviewing, and then possibly bringing students who they like into their offices for in-person follow-ups. 
after the initial. That's good to know. Thank you for that. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you, Rochelle Birnbaum-Chioka, for joining us today. Thank you so much. I wish you both continued good health as we get through these next few months and hopefully the end of the pandemic. Thank you for inviting me today. If you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar's Legal Fuel podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbury. And I'm Carla Eckhart. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bar's podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.